This morning we invite you to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 24. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 24. We're going to be reading verse number 14. Matthew 24, beginning with verse number 14. We're going to be reading basically that verse. And the Gospel of the Kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. May the Lord add His blessing to the uh, reading of His Word. This morning we would like to continue on with that of our study uh, of the Gospel. And as we've been studying the Gospel for the past several weeks now, we've been looking at descriptive phrases that are found uh, in the New Testament with regards uh, to the Gospel. We've studied thus far that of the following phrases. The gospel of God, the focus being the origin and authority of the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the focus there being on the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, And then last week we considered the gospel of the grace of God, the focus there being upon the announcement or message of the favor, the kindness of God to those who have no right or desert of it. Now this morning we want to consider another descriptive phrase of the gospel and it's found here in that of our text. Verse 14 it says, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Now, what we want to focus in on this morning is that of the descriptive uh, phrase here with regards to the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom. Or we could put it this way, the good news of the kingdom or the announcement of the kingdom or the good news concerning the kingdom concerning the kingdom now the phrase here implies several things first of all it implies number one that there is that of a kingdom note The gospel of the kingdom. What is this kingdom? What kind of kingdom is being spoken of here? Where does this kingdom uh, exist? And the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached unto all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. What end is being spoken of here in verse number 14. What end is being spoken of? Is it the kingdom which is spoken of here or that is implied by that of the phrase, the gospel of the kingdom? Or is the end that is being spoken of here of that of another end? Perhaps of the end of other kingdoms? so to speak. The kingdoms of this world. For I would say to you that the kingdom, that the phrase that we're looking at 
speaks of, beloved, is not that of an earthly kingdom here. It is not that of an earthly kingdom in the sense that we would think of kingdoms today. No, beloved, this kingdom that is being spoken of here is one that is indeed a glorious kingdom, one that is an everlasting kingdom, an eternal kingdom, which we'll take note of as we get on further into that of our study. But as we said, the phrase implies that there is a kingdom. Secondly, it implies that there is a king. Thirdly, or who is that king? Thirdly, there must be subjects. For, for there to be a kingdom, there must be subjects. So who are the subjects of this kingdom that is being spoken of? And the phrase says there is a gospel of this kingdom. What is that gospel? What is that good news of the kingdom? Well, let's first of all take up the word kingdom here for just a few moment, moments. And we would say to you that as we consider the word kingdom, we find the word kingdom is uh, a theme that is found throughout the scriptures. In the Old Testament, we see the theme of the kingdom found. And we see this, beloved, in that of the account that is given to us in the Old Testament of that of the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel was that of a kingdom. Uh, it was made up of the tribes or that of the sons of, of, of Israel, that of their descendants. Uh, and out from the midst of that of those tribes, there was a king that was raised up amongst them. That first king was Saul. The second king was that of one that is well known by all of us, that of David, the man after God's own heart. And then there was that of Solomon, David's son. But not only was there the kingdom, as we think of as the kingdom of Israel, uh, and that being that of the uh, descendants of the sons of 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 Israel or Jacob. But as you go on further into the history of, of Israel and Israel as a kingdom, we read in the, New, in the Old Testament of that of a divided kingdom, uh, that of the northern kingdom, that of the southern kingdom. Uh, and uh, both of them had that of kings. You ever wonder why that history was given to us? You know, as we consider the Old Testament Scriptures, in the very beginning, we have the creation of the world, the universe, and creation of man, and uh, all the way up to that of the flood, the destruction of the world at that point in time. And then after the flood, there is kind of a new uh, generation coming forth from that of Noah and his uh, three sons. Uh, and the actual story of the scriptures narrowed down from that of a wide angle uh, picture so to speak down to that of a very small angle it's a focus upon that of Abraham and then Abraham and his descendants and that of his descendant and that of his descendants 
and that of their descendants. Basically, the angle narrows down all the way to that of the very beginning of that of what we know of as the nation of Israel. Abraham being the father of the nation of Israel. And it's from Abraham that we have that of the sprouting forth of that of the nation of Israel, which is a kingdom, and then a divided kingdom, and then it's one that is destroyed. Why was it destroyed? It was destroyed because of sin, wasn't it? The kings of those kingdoms, they were frail human beings, weren't they? Sinful beings. But that's not the only information that is given to us in the Old Testament about a kingdom. That kingdom was a kingdom here upon earth. The Old Testament speaks of that of another kingdom. It speaks of that of a, another king. And you know who that king is? It's God. The Lord. Jehovah God. Over in that of Psalm 145, if you turn there with us, Psalm 145, we have that of the psalmist. Psalmist David. In verse number 1, we have these words of David to that of God. He says, I will extort thee, my God, O King, and I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. Note how David, in speaking of God here, he, he says, I will extol thee, my God, O King. And then as we go on down further in that of uh, the, the psalm here, in verse number 9, he says, The Lord is good to all, and His tender mercies are over all His works. All thy works shall praise thee, O Lord, and thy saints shall bless thee. They shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom. And talk of thy power to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. So here as we look at the psalmist, the psalmist David, as he uh, praises uh, that of his God, uh, he describes him as king, and he describes him as that of a king over that of a kingdom that is an everlasting kingdom. And beloved, that is indeed true. For you see, God is king. He is the sovereign of the universe, beloved. His kingdom is nothing in comparison to the kingdoms of this world. My point that I want to make here, beloved, is this. Is that the Old Testament spoke of that of a human kingdom. Israel. 
the kings. But then it spoke of another kingdom. God's kingdom. God's kingdom. Psalm 45, if you turn there with us. Psalm 45, I believe it is. Psalm 45 and verse number 6. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. Here we have the psalmist, psalmist here again uh, speaking with regards to that of God, that of His throne, His scepter, His kingdom. In Psalm 103. Psalm 103 and in verse number 19. The Lord has prepared His throne in the heavens and His kingdom ruleth over all. His kingdom ruleth over all. So we see that the Old Testament does speak of a kingdom and it's not just a human kingdom that it speaks of, but it speaks of a kingdom that is an eternal kingdom who has God as its king. Now we want to quickly go to the New Testament because that's where our phrase is. We said that the theme of kingdom is found throughout the Scriptures and as we pointed out in the Old Testament already, now we want to take note of the theme and how it's in the New Testament. The theme in the New Testament. In Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. And in verses 14 and 15, it says, Now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel or the good news of what? The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. In Acts chapter 28, and in verses 30, and 31. We have a summary of Paul's ministry here for two years. And note how it reads here in verses 14 and 15. Or verse 30, I'm sorry. And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came into unto him preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding Him. Second Peter, Peter writes of the everlasting kingdom in 
Now to Second Peter verse chapter one verse eleven, the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Jesus preached about the kingdom of God. Mark chapter one. Uh, there in Acts chapter twenty-eight, we have Paul preaching the kingdom of God. Peter speaking of the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. A very important phrase here, beloved. This phrase here, that of the kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Then in Revelation we have the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ being spoken of. Now, there's many, many more descriptive phrases that are found throughout the New Testament with regards to that of the kingdom alone. Kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, which we've already noted. Jesus spoke of His Father's kingdom. Mark, Luke, and John, they use quite extensively the descriptive, the kingdom of God. And then Jesus speaks of that of my kingdom in John chapter 18, verse 36. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. It, if my kingdom were of the world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews, but now is my kingdom not from hence. My kingdom is not of this world. And then Ephesians 5, verse 5, we have the descriptive kingdom of Christ and of God. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, the kingdom of His dear Son. So, you see, beloved, the word kingdom is used and there's a lot of descriptions that are used with regards to to that one word, kingdom. So how do we put it all together? Well, let me say it to you, it's not easy. And we're not even going to scratch the surface here this morning. But what I do want you to see here is as we think about that of the New Testament, And the Old Testament. The Old Testament and that of the New Testament. In the Old Testament, we have a prophecy in Zechariah 9.9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation lowly riding upon an ass and upon a colt the fowl of an ass. Then in Matthew 21 verse 5 we have these words, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon an ass and a colt the fowl of an ass. John 12 verse 15, Fear not, daughters of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh sitting on an ass's colt. We have that prophecy in Zechariah and we have the fulfillment of that prophecy in that of the Lord Jesus Christ and that of His, what we describe as His triumphant entry into that of Jerusalem. Now beloved, we know that the Jews, that they, uh, they rejected the Lord Jesus Christ, didn't they? 
And there was a reason why they rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. Because in the purpose and plan of God, it was that the Gentiles might be brought in. And that salvation might be shown unto that of the Gentiles and not just the Jews only. But to kind of bring the picture together, as we think of Jesus Christ, He is spoken of in the New Testament as prophet, priest, and king. Prophet sent from God. He claimed that He, that he spoke that of the words of His Father. Priest. He's the great high priest. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. And beloved, He is the king. The King. If you remember, we read from Mark or, or Matthew earlier. I believe it was. Actually, Mark says, Now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Or... In other words, it's near. Repent ye and believe that of the Gospel. Now what, what was meant by that? Beloved, the King, the King was there. The King was here upon the earth. But He had that of a job to do. He came with that of a purpose, didn't He? He wasn't sent in this world without, without that of a purpose, beloved. He was sent by the Father with that of a job to do. He was sent as that of a Savior, as that of a Deliverer. And beloved, indeed, He is. He is that of the mighty Deliverer. And beloved, what were kings? They were ones who, beloved, took care of their, of their people, weren't they? There were ones who went off into war and they were victorious many times. Sometimes the human ones as we think of it, they were not victorious. But beloved, Jesus, He came as out of the mighty deliverer and beloved, He was indeed victorious. Genesis 1 or Genesis 3 prophesied of His coming. That of the seed of the woman. My beloved, the kings of the Old Testament, David, Solomon, uh, Saul, uh, and, and the other ones of that, of that of the kingdom of Israel, they all failed. They all failed miserably, didn't they? Beloved, when we come to the New Testament, Jesus Christ, He was victorious. He wasn't like those kings of Israel. Was he? No, beloved, he was far greater. God himself manifested in the flesh. What is the kingdom? Is it a realm? A piece of real estate that God has special authority over? Is it the church? Is it here now, or is it something that will come in the future? Kingdom is one of those words that bring along with it a lot of baggage from that of history. Kingdom is a geographical word for most of us. 
depiction of that of a an area that is a kingdom or might be better understood as more of a kingship the dictionary says and I believe that's <coughs> the definition that we have here or that we want God's rule that's what we have pictured in that of the Old Testament and as we come to the New Testament beloved it's God's rule and it's through who King Jesus King Jesus God manifested in the flesh the gospel of the kingdom the good news the announcement of or concerning that of the kingdom God's rule those who make up that of the kingdom beloved those who are the subjects of this kingdom that this gospel speaks of beloved they are ones who acknowledge God as king Jesus as their Lord as their master as that of their king the gospel of the kingdom brings us under the dominion and rule of Jesus Christ. The gospel of the kingdom is the kingship of Jesus Christ. One who has become a Christian has come to be a Christian by receiving Christ, the anointed one. If you look back in the Old Testament, the kings, they were anointed. They were anointed when they were put into that of their position. Jesus, Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, Sovereign, Master. Jesus, Savior. Christ, the Anointed. The Anointed One of God. The Gospel of the Kingdom brings us under the dominion rule of Jesus Christ. It speaks of that of righteousness, peace, joy, and the Holy Ghost. We find from Romans chapter 14, verse 17. The good news of the kingdom. How does one enter into this kingdom that the New Testament speaks of here? This kingdom who has God as king. who has as it their deliverer, Jesus Christ. Beloved, we find the answer, beloved, in John chapter 3. If you remember, Jesus spoke to Nicodemus there and He, as He did, He spoke of the kingdom of God. John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus answered Nicodemus and said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God further on down in that of the passage the Lord tells Nicodemus, except you be born again or born from above. In other words, 
those who are recipients of this wonderful, great act of regeneration that is being spoken of. Beloved, they are the ones who are the ones that are the subjects in this kingdom. This kingdom is a present reality and that of a future reality. You say, how do you know that, Brother Steve? It's a present reality in the sense that those who are the children of God, God is ruling in, in that of their hearts. Future in the sense that as the Scriptures speak of that everlasting kingdom, that kingdom, beloved, that is yet in the future, where that God will be our God and we will be His people and we'll dwell with Him. The gospel of the kingdom is the good news of Jesus Christ. It's the good news, beloved, of that of the kingdom of God. God's rule and reign in the hearts of His people. Going all going back to that as we think of that of the, the new covenant. God will be our God and we shall be His people. The gospel of the kingdom it demands that of response. Wilt I have this man to reign over you? The psalmist said, Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish from your way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are all they that put their trust in him. I ask you, do you know that of God's rule in your life? Have you bowed the knee to the Lord? Have you acknowledged Him? Better that you do it in this life than that of eternity. And God give you grace to repent and trust in Him if you have not. In the back of our bulletin, we have an old hymn. Stand. Lead me to Calvary. King of my life, I crown thee now, thine shall the glory be. Lest I forget thy thorn-crowned brow, lead me to Calvary. Lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget thine agony.